0: Ala punai kamakanila nila ha akau luhalai e me ho poi ha kahai kai o nana huki'e. Aloha na makamaka e ho aloha mai nei o ye maula lani mele la mai o ke kahi hula ka la lana iai o kahula kākā kō o keiella ka makaleo o ke ma kauluau.
1: Ka Aloha to everyone listening as we continue our journey on Kaleo kauluau, as we learn together about practices and traditions on Hawaii Island today. We just shared the first lines from a chant that accompanies the first hula, one taught to Hiiaka by Hopoi, her beloved Aikane, at Haena in Huna. This mele hula speaks to the special environment of that place as the dancer not only mimics the elements of that environment of wind, sea, pebbles and hollow groves but becomes them mahalo for being here with us today as we learn more about the practice of hula aloha eju
0: pehe
1: ma no, o mai ka ino o yamauno alo pali pehe ku
0: We are here with another special guest today who will share about the traditional practice of hula. Drew, would you mind introducing our mea kipa?
1: HIKI NŌ, it'd be my pleasure. Kekua Lloyd Harmon was born and raised on Maui, where most of his family still resides, mainly in Lahaina. Kekua began teaching at Kahakaula Okealikolani College of Hawaiian Language at UH Hilo many years ago, and he now serves as professor there. Kekua specializes in Hawaiian language instruction and performing arts classes that are taught in the medium of Hawaiian. Prior to that, he worked at the Ahapunanaleo for 10 years, supporting language revitalization efforts. Kiko received his doctorate in the Hawaiian and Indigenous Language and Culture Revitalization PhD program at UH Hilo. He is an Uniki graduate under Kumuhula Kimo Alama Keolana, and he and his wife Pelehonuamea founded their own hula school, Mamo, whose students are exclusively taught through the medium of Hawaiian. Kekua and Pele have chosen to raise their four children in Hawaiian, the primary language of their household. He and his Ohana are fully dedicated to the perpetuation of Hawaiian language.
0: Aloha Kekua. Aloha. We're happy to welcome you to Kaleo Kauluao, where in this season we're exploring the traditional Hawaiian practices and how sustainability is inherently part of that, but also about how that might look for generations to come. So mahalo nui for visiting with us and sharing your mana'o regarding a practice that is very important to you and your ohana, mm-hmm. which is hula.
2: Aloha kāko, aloha, aloha, aloha. Nolelo ovao o ke kua harmin uh, he kama vau na um, Jeffrey Lawa o Nani Harmin o vakahiapo o ka ohana no Maui mai o um, no hono koe ko o ohana o ka o ko mohana o um, Maui. Uh, my name is kekwa Harman I'm a child of Jeffrey and Nani Harman I am the oldest of three children I come from my family comes from Lahaina um, Honkawai specifically on um, on that island I was raised on Maui. Uh, Born and raised on Maui, until I actually came here to Hilo, and then I um, I loved it so much the wakanilua I ended up staying here, and um, for my undergraduate work and then continuing into the graduate programs at Kahkoʻula Lani. At that time, I realized that that language uh, is a big part of of my life, especially moving here to Hilo. Um, starting off on Maui at Maui Community College at that time in the late 90s. And um, you know, getting involved with Halau mm-hmm. Hula, Halau um, Kamakani Wilimakaho Okaua Ula, Kili Rachel and Uluvehi Guerrero on Maui, and doing my associate work um, there at My Community College, taking as many credits as I possibly could um, during that time, and then reaching the point where I couldn't take any more. <laughs> that I um, I came to Hilo, and I was encouraged by my kumu um, to continue. Kumu Kiuape Raymond, Malia Mellemai. Um, some of my kumu um, at Maui came here and then ended up staying. Yeah, ended up staying. So it's here that my wife and I, we started our Ohana, yeah, our Hiapo being born in 2001. And then from there, we had our other Keiki, um Nali'i Poemoku, and then our youngest, Hiiaka, two years old. So our oldest is in college now. He's <laughs> in college now. <laughs> Away in Hanover at Dartmouth College, and then the other two are at Kekuolona Navahi O and our youngest is still um, still Konakahu or Mama Pahana, who lives right next door to us. But Hawaiian language is a big part of our Ohana, along with Hula, and it's uh, through these practices that we um we live. Yeah, it, it really is mean, a big part of our life and and how we continue these traditions, and look for opportunities to continue these uh, these things that are very important to us—language, hula, um, traditional practices, behaviors—all of these aspects of o la Hawaii. Yeah, understanding through that Okaolelo kekaa, Oka Moli, that the language is that fiber that binds all aspects of our um, traditions, behaviors, um, spirituality. Uh, with the hope that we see this continuation from one generation to the next, um, the world is a changing place, mm-hmm. and it continues to change as we speak. <laughs> um, how we are able to um, bring relevance you know, to these traditions that that we believe are important mm-hmm. and our kupuna saw as important, yeah? How do we how do we pass it on to the next generation so that they also see that this is worth? continuing. This is something that's valuable to us. Um so I'm thankful, yeah, to be with you folks today to um share, share and you know, also talk story. I know that this period of time we haven't had a lot of opportunities to talk <laughs> to people. <laughs> so to be able to to be here with you folks today is, is very special. Mahalo.
1: Mahalo, it's a pleasure to have you here and, and to see you again. And um we we need to express our gratitude for your many contributions to the the cultural academic personal development to so many of our haumana and our community members so mahalo nui for being here mm-hmm. to um, share with us um, specifically about hula something as you said that is so important to you and your ohana so mahalo mm-hmm. um, if you if if you wouldn't mind our our listeners are probably you know some of our listeners are quite familiar with hula some mm-hmm. could be Hula practitioners or kumuhula, but others might not be so familiar with the practice. Mm-hmm. Is it possible for you to share with us um, what hula means to you,
2: like as a, as, as a starting point for our time mm-hmm. together today? Mm-hmm. Um, before I go any further, I'd like to um, recognize our um, kumuhula, um, who we unikid from. La Lana in 2012 and uh, much of the foundation of, of what we teach comes from him and the traditions that he learned. So Hula um, and this is something I always I always laugh about because it's, it's on the title of the book for um hello hula Mikeiki hula is life <laughs> but you know how, how you how you wrap your mind around that and how it, it is something that is a part of your life and it continues to bring life to you and others um, is is important for us to to think about and consider what it means so for myself um, i'm just going to throw this out, out out there right now i as far as as the energy that i receive from from doing these practices i can i can go through a full day and and have to teach a hula class and before the hula class we moi voi moi But you know, there's something about teaching um, hula and doing these practices. I always turn to Pele after we finish the papa, I feel better,
3: Mm. I
2: feel better. Mm. And there's, I think there's something there in in a traditional practice such as that, um, and I mentioned earlier about the Ola Hawaii, what bring this essence when we talk about spirituality behaviors, language, um, and this traditional practice of hula, that it, it, in a very concentrated sense, within that period of time, it may be only an hour, actually it can be 10 minutes, (laughs) it can be 10 minutes, but if I give that time to recognize these aspects of hula, which really comes from the language for me, because of the understanding of the language, I feel I'm able to tap, tap into, connect to something that's much older than I am, although I'm getting <laughs> older, <laughs> that, um, that that excites me. That makes me want to get up and <laughs> drink my coffee. Um, <laughs> but that I, 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 that excites me to be able to chant something. And I'm gonna start out, I, I love fula. But the chant aspect, whew, that is what gets me um, going, especially for because of the language aspect and the understanding of that. Um, so when I'm able to do some of the um, the older chants that I've learned, and I don't uh, I don't understand everything that I chant because <laughs> I don't come from that period of time, but I can understand certain words, certain phrases. I'm not sure why the haku mele may have put these particular words or phrases together in a particular line Mm -hmm. at times, but it it does allow me to connect to something much older than myself and, and to be able to open my eyes to these aspects of our landscape that were witnessed and documented by our kupuna. And um, I wanna do that. I, I wanna be able to see and hear things that they heard. Um, and with the whole, with the language being that foundation too, that I'm able to um, convey that mako'ukino on my body, my movements, my hand motions, my facial expression. Um, realizing through that, I, I won't be able to understand everything. I, I'll try my whole life, and I, and I appreciate conversations with Kumulari Kimura, Kumuklena Silva, and <laughs> in my attempt to understand that, uh, I do realize this is a this is a lifelong pursuit. Um, I, I will not understand everything in my lifetime, um, and hopefully, I'll, I'll be able every day. <laughs> Even if it's 1% <laughs> that I'll be able to to know a little bit more. Um that's been a big part of my um my desire and my um passion to continue this practice of hula. Um, but it all comes from the language. That's one of the things though,
0: when it's like a good book when you You read it the first time you think, oh, wow, I learned this and I learned that. And then you go back and read it again and you realize, wow, there's something new I hadn't considered. And and I think Mm -hmm. that might be the case as far as when you learn a new chant or revisit older chants. And Mm -hmm. I think each time we learn something new and then you can unlock a new motion or or a new understanding Mm -hmm. and then then share that with the people who are watching. Mm -hmm. And... Further build that relationship to our kupuna, my mm-hmm. And well, mahalo nui for sharing all of that because it, everybody has their own perspective mm-hmm. when it comes to their practice and how they approach it. And language is definitely a foundation. And I found just through my own personal journey that mm-hmm. I've heard mele, you know, you hear them at pa'ina and you hear them growing up and stuff. But now I'll listen and I'll be like, oh, wow. That's what this song is about. Not saying that I understand everything either, mm-hmm. but just to have a, a, a deeper connection with the words and, and a mm-hmm. better understanding. It, it's just amazing how language can help that process. Mm-hmm.
1: I think we really appreciate how you've described, like looking at the, a chat text, you can begin to you know, see or visualize or experience um, what people you know, in ancient times witnessed or experience themselves too. I mean that's a pretty that's a pretty amazing thing to and then to have those chant texts live on today and maybe be reinterpreted and maybe understood in different ways too. Um is, is pretty amazing. Are there um we're kind of curious about like the the origins? I know there's a lot of different ways of thinking about the origins of hula, but um would you be able to share with us some of the mm-hmm. some of the origins as you mm-hmm. understand them?
2: mahalo mahalo um, with you asking this question and thinking of the mana kala that was shared at our Ahapiko last week, kui um, kapuka Um that was shared by Kumuhia Um that was um, actually told him, um, told to him by um, Pat Namaka Bacon, how you you stand in in the doorway of the home that you know in the knowledge that you know. So um, with that. Uh, to be very confident in, in what you know, and then to also be confident in saying what you don't know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that that's a big part of this too. So, you know, for our origins, which is an interesting thing because we have so many origin stories, <laughs> yeah. um, and it, just for the you know for the birthing of islands, Papa and 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 Pele Honua and all of these these origin stories that we have. Um, not. And I, th- I think for for where, depending on where you come from, mm-hmm. <laughs> which one you 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 have more of a liking to, but you that's what you know, and that's what was passed passed on to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, especially living in the um, Puna area, <laughs> the Puna area, I can't help but but think about Hiyaka Hiyaka hikapoleo pele. Um, her learning um the hula from her her ikane hopoe hopoi at Haena, and um, that excites me when you mm-hmm. live in Puna And it's it's right there, you know, right there at Haena that that she learned um it Makes to it dance. that more
0: special, yeah.
2: And 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 that that type of um, mo'olelo that pa- being passed down from one gen- generation to the next, and how. It was Hiiaka who learned the hula and how we have the these traditions and dances. And we have, you know, and um, and it's right there in Puna too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then you have, you know, hikimai um, kala, yeah. That you have all of this and it's right there and you can witness it mm-hmm. on a daily mm-hmm. basis. Mm-hmm. And to be able to au au kai and swim at haena and, and to visualize that, you know, and and these aspects that that surround you um, that's the origin story that that I that I remember and of course we have other you know for la and where the pahu comes from and um I'm not as familiar with 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 those stories and I've, I've heard them or some of the dancing and, and chanting that that takes place in the story of mele mele um what hiiaka is the is the origin story that I I I focus on, especially living in the Puna area. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's amazing and something that I hadn't considered because I did move here with my ohana from Oahu. Mm-hmm. So as I learned more on this island and dancing throughout here off and on throughout my years, um, and then coming to Puna and seeing these physical spaces and understanding that mm-hmm. our kupuna were here. I mean, they were physically here, and this is where things happen in in various mele, but to to physically be in the same space is just elevates mm-hmm. that connection and that understanding. So I hear what you're saying as far as that goes. Mm-hmm.
2: And then to be able to go to up up uka to um Kilauea Hale mm-hmm. and Halemaumau, yes. and to see be surrounded by all of these aspects that um and physical embodiments kinolao of of. Pele,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um it adds to that type of inspiration for um for dances and then you know to to finish a, a chant hey no no pele. that it just brings all of this to light that it is something very real
0: and there you are dancing maybe on the on the rim where where we have mm-hmm. and you look down in this lava rock and you see this little fern just poking through mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just it's amazing to be able mm-hmm. to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: One of the aspects of this season for Kaleo Kaulua is mm-hmm. um, we're focusing on how traditional sustainable practices of Hawaii Island can be seen as sustainable, right? So that, I mean, I think a lot of us understand that those things are, you know, inextricable from each other, right? Mm-hmm. Traditional practices and sustainability. But with with reference to hula, can you, can you share with us some of the ways that hula might be considered a... Sustainable practice, you know, one that um, that guarantees that life will continue for generations and well-being will be assured.
2: Mm-hmm. It's interesting how we, we talk about this term sustainability a lot, and you know, and there's a certain amount of buzz <laughs> yeah. um, buzzword quality to the term, and we also we have a Hawaiian moal <laughs> that, that we yeah. that we have for sustainability. Um, it's interesting because I think for all of these practices, and I'm gonna <laughs> take the macro approach to this um, to um especially for these Hawaiian traditional practices, that they come from the landscape. Mm-hmm. So I think to have that understanding without the aina, without the kai, without Kanahele, all of these things, we do not have these practices.: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you take care of these places so that you're able to continue um, these practices that are so important to you? For example, um, for, for lay making. And if you do not have that, that palapalai patch that, that you've, you've picked um, from and consciously knowing too that, you know, you don't want to overpick an area. To knowing that you're taking just enough, yeah. One of the puke kamali from punanaleo But you just take enough, yeah. Take mm-hmm. enough that you need and vaiho. You're not taking everything. And that same type of perspective is important for all aspects. I mean, even for people who love mm-hmm. kai, you take enough. Yeah. For your ohana and um it's tough. That's tough in this day and age. Yeah? Especially when, when people come into certain landscapes and yeah, Love yeah lave. Um, oh, more for me. I'm taking it. Yeah. Um,
0: without ma, without the, taking the time to malama that yeah. place.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it gets a little bit more challenging too because you do not have that type of relationship that we may have had in the past, especially as kupa o aina. When people live on a particular um, area for generations, that's different too. When you have people moving from different places, not being very kamaaina, familiar with that area and and what has been done for generations, that can be challenging too.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. And what what about people who live in urban environments? I know
1: Hilo is not is like small kind urban but it's yeah, getting there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but maybe other i mean so it, it is a challenge for people who live in urban environments mm-hmm. in hawaii for example to be able to you know have that feeling of that connection with their place maybe because they you know they are not from that place they don't have mm-hmm. that long standing relationship um and maybe there are aren't natural forms you know that would allow them to you know strengthen their cultural practice that, mm-hmm. you know, in the case of hula or lay making or something like that. How did, I wonder how those folks deal
2: with these kind of issues. Yeah, that's interesting. And I always think of our, our who live in very um, urban areas, especially like Honolulu and um, yeah, where you go? Where do you go to, <laughs> to pick or to, I mean, even fishing, things like that, um, you know, really journeying to different places on their island. Um, but you know we do have our challenges here in Hilo too as as the population grows here um, I think okay, I'm gonna get on my soapbox you know language <laughs> language <laughs> is important um because that the ike that you can that you can gather from Hawaiian language newspapers or recordings on um, Kaleo Hawaii that you um that you can pick up on this knowledge of these practices and find ways to apply it in your everyday life. Mm -hmm. Um, But that comes from an understanding of the language. And then also the spiritual aspects that go with that and the behavior um, all go hand in hand. Um, A more concrete example may be for, for if you do not have these plants um, readily available to you, how do you find that knowledge to to plant that particular plant in in a small garden that you have and to to foster that type of growth in your own area Mm -hmm. um, is important. So a lot of it comes down to, and I think that was particularly valuable in this period of time with COVID Mm -hmm. too, that um, we weren't able to venture off into um, other areas and go on on Huakai as much as we like to, to go on, um, you know, field experiences and things like that. And to go gathering, go out of our, our, our home area that um, may have pushed a lot of us to, to focus more on our own I-9, even if that's a, just a little <laughs> small area that you have, what can you do with it? Mm-hmm. How do you care for it? Um, that's a, I think that's an important topic for all of us to bring up for continued discussion. Yeah, especially with this term aloha aina and what that means. And um, you know, so much of it can become emotionally charged, you know, mm-hmm. especially when we talk about topics such as Mauna Kea and, and things like that. Aloha aina, start with your aina, <laughs> with your, you know, your land and where you live and how do you take care of that.
0: As a daily practice, yes. not mm. on a weekend. When... Yeah, <laughs>
2: and, and you don't need to go somewhere else take care of what you have and your resources, um, how that can be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And that, that goes hand in hand with these practices too. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a hula studio. You don't have to have, do you have a garage? <laughs> do you have a tent? <laughs> yeah. Do you have Laohala mat um, from the Philippines nonetheless? But yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that you have these things that, okay, um, yeah, do it right here, right now. And that's what we I think that kind of push for practices and um all of these, you know language mm-hmm. behavior spirituality that's how we make it sustainable. look at what you have, do it now
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if we um look at the the mele side of hula mm-hmm. we're talking about the plants and and these uh, landscapes and Um, how we interact with these elements. But the Mele really show us, um, when we look at the words of these Mele, we learn and see these powerful images. We see these plants, we see the the motions of the wind and the water and so many different things. And I think if you take the time to learn these Mele, you can build those relationships, even further and make you appreciate and then in turn want to take care. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just inherently part of the practice itself is to want to take care of these things mm-hmm. and make them sustainable. I mean, they are.
2: And that probably is one of the things I appreciate most about Mele and the poetry there. Although I can't physically go to some of these places, I, I, my spirit does, I I, I think about, in particular lines from Mele, and to think about what that sounds like to be surrounded by the voices of these birds and, and of the Lehua of Mokaulele. Oh, that is so beautiful. That um, how, how do we experience things like that? And how do we hold on to areas that still have that mm-hmm. when we go up Uka? Um, i Um, to think of the, the greenery and what that lo pahiva looks like, and um, when you do see it, you know the lushness and the and the verdant qualities of, of, of palapalai and that dark green coloring. Oh, scent. and the yeah kona <laughs> what that is, and um how you remember that in a sense, and when we say not to equals memorize, but how that that becomes a, a part of your being. And you know what that smell smells like and what it looks like and what it feels, feels like, like on your skin. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, on that line, would you mind sharing with us about what you see Hula today as some of the perpetuation efforts going on now for this practice? Mm-hmm. I know we're um, shortly entering into our Mary Monarch time mm-hmm. and that poses a whole nother challenge with Halau and um, them being able to express themselves mm-hmm. with the adornments and the different Mana'o. And I've seen some a lot of creativity mm-hmm. over the past several years, especially because we have things like Invasive species and invasive, mm-hmm. uh, just the health of our forests, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. being challenged.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, going back to what I brought up earlier about taking care of of what you have, I think that's an important thing for us to remember, especially with you know rod and rapid ohi'a death and things like that. How do you grow ohi'a lehua in your own yard, and how you are able to use that? Um, on a very small level. Of course, it gets a little bit more challenging when you're doing competition mm-hmm. and you have to make a hiala, lipo'o, and, you know, head lays and kupe'e for the ankles and for the, for the wrists and things like that. It, it does become a little bit more challenging. So to see creativity on the halo's part um, in, in using different types of plants um, is important. Creativity, is important. is important, um, but how we use that in a way that remembers tradition mm-hmm. is challenging too. Um, so I think um, you know that it's it's something that we face together. Um, and this is we're just talking about adornments here, <laughs> you know, as far as um, choreography and. Um, um, footwork and um, hand motions and how that ties back into tradition and a continuation of a particular lineage Mm -hmm. is also important. Um, Creativity brings life to a lot of these practices. So I think that aspect of finding relevance in something that is very old and how it continues to give life to us today is an important aspect of this moe um, sustainability of, of all of this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so you know the, the the competition aspect is it 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 has really given a lot of fuel to the continuation of these traditions. And beyond that, we hope that these um, traditions hula kahiko, hula awana, hula ala papa, hula pahu that all of these types of of dance forms will become a part of everyday life. But it's up to us to to have a a clear understanding of the the poetry of mele and how to create new mele Mm -hmm. that is very similar to mele that, that, that were created in the 19th century. Um, how do we do that today? How do we ensure that we have a solid enough foundation to, to create chants and dances that are very obvious in their delivery that they look like something that, that came from our kupuna. And um, that's exciting and that's scary at the same time, yeah. yeah. Because I, you may meet that level, and sometimes you may just you may stumble, and you, you 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 don't reach that level that that you hope for. Um, so I I think that's something that that we look for in the continuation of all of these traditions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, our kupuna when they created these hula and these oli. Um, they were looking at what was happening in their time. They were very, Mm -hmm. um, they had this deep relationship with the elements and with the landscapes and with the people and the current events of those times. And so they Mm -hmm. felt that it was so important that they would lock it in this Mele. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important in Ko'umana'o that these things happen today and continue on because Mm a hundred years from now, our, our keiki will look back our mo'opuna will look back and say, well, this is what was happening in 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a way to honor the things that the people are going through and the, taking the time to create um, and make it live for generations to come. It's very important. Mm-hmm. So hula is one way that that can happen.
1: Mm-hmm. And in terms of like the broader, like the large community, do you, have you noticed any trends, kikwa about um our community's interest mm-hmm. in hula or support of hula? Are there more people who are paying attention? I mean, I know you said that maybe the competition has kind of like, you know, galvanized people into um, focusing more on hula, but do you, do you notice any trends about our large community's um, involvement in hula?
2: I think I am particularly excited in... Um, Looking at the young people and seeing that they have an opportunity to um, to learn the language at a at a very early age, and to have a better understanding of these things as they mature. So I have a lot of hope there, mm-hmm. because a lot of these practices to. Um, you know, in, in Hawaiian language, medium schools, in immersion schools, in um, culture-based, Hawaiian culture-based schools, that you do have an opportunity because schools meet on a daily basis,
3: mm-hmm.
2: it, in, a, in a physical space, it allows these communities or groups to, to do practices on a daily basis. Because a lot of these um you know families and young people they're not necessarily practicing these practices in their home
3: mm-hmm.
2: yet <laughs> mm-hmm. yet um, <laughs> that um just like language, you realize that in order for the language to really live, it needs to be practiced in the home. same goes for these traditional practices such as hula. Um, so hopefully, as we strengthen. Hula you know, within the school communities. And, you know, you have some of these students actually going into Hala'u Hula too. They become alaka'i, they become leaders within Hula schools too, because they have this foundation and knowing um, that they can share with with um, other students within Hala'u Hula. So I think we're we're seeing um, glimmers <laughs> in, you know, in in, in that regard. Um, there, there's a lot more work to do, in that sense. But it's um, I'm hopeful mm-hmm. that that these these practices, especially on a daily basis, is important because, uh, as we know, you know, routines and practices uh, it, it's something that needs to be done on a regular basis. It's it's not a one time show or hoike.
3: Mm-hmm
2: that we're aiming for, you know, oh yeah, nice your costume, or you know, um it was perfect, you know, everything was so synchronized. And that's nice. That's nice. Um and visually it it's 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 beautiful to look at. But beyond that, how does that become something that, that's a that's a part of someone's everyday life? Oh. yeah, I have a lot of hope there. mm you know? mm-hmm
0: would you say along those lines that over the time that you've been involved with hula that the people who are seeking this knowledge are looking more beyond the surface level and 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 going as you say into the deeper part of having it part of your daily life would you say that's occurring as far as not just learning motions not just learning the words they're actually are are some of them actually going on getting inspired to learn olelo Hawaii, mm-hmm. and then maybe speaking with their ohana members and maybe spending time with their tutus mm-hmm. so that they can get a deeper understanding. And then even certain halau have practices such as kuahu mm-hmm. and and, mm-hmm. and being more, of than, more than just a surface level, but a, a deeper innate level.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up too, because I think for a lot of our traditional practices, such as hula, that is a doorway to get in and then realize you don't know enough <laughs> that you don't know enough and that you you need to learn the language and with the learning of the language you're able to connect um, spiritually to what you're dancing about mm-hmm. and what you're chanting about and then also understanding the behaviors that go with that and and what you should do and what you shouldn't do I mean just taking care of of your hula implements and knowing not to step over things mm-hmm. and to to take care of your lei and your and your pa'u and all of these aspects um, and loina and practices that go with hula and what the significance is of your melanoi como, why you do that and why you get into the particular mindset before you go into that setting, that halo setting, um, it's it's all a part of that that overall experience of of hula. So um, I'm all for, and I and I, I think that you know you do see see a lot a lot more people becoming aware of these aspects when I listen to some of the interviews of of people for during the Mary Monarch, and usually we go there physically. But of course, nobody went there physically last year. Um, but you know, and listening to the to the interviews, yeah, and I, and um, yeah, I think there there is uh, increased consciousness on that part, and um, people knowing or wanting to know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and that's uh that's a good place to be.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree.
2: Some of those protocols and practices
1: associated with hula that you just mentioned um it seems to me that those could also be extended like once the learners become aware of those protocols including those you mentioned they actually might extend them into the other parts of their lives Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because Mm -hmm. they speak to relationships and respect and um consciousness Mm -hmm. and how we interact with each other
2: and with our environments and so yeah, I can I can see that. Mahalo for bringing that up, Drew. I um, just thinking about that. I'm thinking of some of the students that I interact with in the classroom you know, for language language courses, or even for um, Papa Hula Oana, Papa Hula Kahiko. Uh, you can tell sometimes some of these students who have had um, a hula background or a halau type of training, especially in knowing. Um, Boundaries, mm. <laughs> boundaries. What to say, what not to say. Don't ask any more questions. Um, knowing, knowing, and being very observant in that way. Um, and we always bring this up. And I know people are like, "Oh yeah, blah blah blah." You know, I mean? oh yeah. The eyes look, the ears listen. Yeah, try it. <laughs> you know what I mean? that that you know that. It, it, it's a very simple thing for everything. Mm-hmm. Observe, mimic what your kumu is doing, do it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, but it, it, I can see it carrying over from that type of training in hula, especially if you have a good kumu who's oolea, <laughs> <laughs> that you're scared of. <laughs> <laughs> that um, that, that kind of, you know, you realize that, okay, this is my place. That's, the, that's my Kumu's place. You know, I have older siblings in a sense within that type of setting and mm-hmm. how you pay attention to that and make sure that you're learning everything that you need to learn within that period of time and space. Uh, yeah, good lessons for, for everything in life.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: As we wrap up, um, you, you mentioned uh, two this thing just now you mentioned... Hula Kahiko and Hula Awana, would you mind just sharing a little bit about the difference?
2: Holy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. As I told you, I some of these questions, yeah, I could spend a whole week on this, or, or you know, a course at least, um, in a nutshell. Yeah, so we have, those terms actually come from English terms. Okay. So we see it documented in um, you know, Hawaiian language newspapers at the start of the 20th century. Um, that we see, you know, hula awana, hula kahiko, hula kahiko, ancient hula, hula awana, modern hula, um, which is a very different perspective from from the way dancers would look at dance categories in the 19th century. Mm -hmm. So when we look at, especially the spiritual aspects of that, whether it's a hula kuahu or hula aiku aihele, if it's a dance that was learned dances that have been learned before an altar and all of the kapu that go with that. And then also, you know, you can um, with those type of dances and you don't have the same restrictions as the dances you've learned in front, in front of a kuahu. Um, But what, categories such as that, and then moving into more specific categories. And I, and I hope we, we get to this someday that, you know, we focus more on, you know, this is a hula ili ili, this is a hula pu ili this is a hula kala ao, this is a hula papa, hula olapa, because all of these different categories in terms uh, have meaning, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have meaning. And that, that is a way for us to sustain yeah, I wouldn't talk about sustainability. The perspectives that come with each specific type of hula. So, yeah, in a nutshell, yeah. No, mahalo yeah.
0: nui. Kikoi, you mentioned hula kuahu. Would you mm-hmm. mind sharing with us and our listeners a little bit about what that is?
2: Mm-hmm. I did not learn hula in front of a kuahu. Uh, although I do chance that honor laka and um, remember laka in that sense. Um, so um, Pale no laka, um, uh, chant asking laka for protection um, is something that we, we do frequently. Um, I refer back to a interview that was done by Larry Kimura with Hattie O on Kaleo Hawaii, and she actually learned her dances in front of Kuahu. And I find that especially helpful in putting into perspective what that meant to those who, who did learn in front of a Kuahu and a Kapu, the restrictions that went with that, um and very stringent in that way. And um, even Pat Namaka shared some information with us, seeing that my, my wife's family, that's her aunt, with her sharing some information with us about her learning in from in front of a kuahu, um, so a kuahu honoring laka, and um, I was particularly fascinated with the the, the greenery that was gathered to um, adorn the the altar, and how that was that was picked. There'd be hala maile, palapalai, you know, and and plants such as that. That um, that are you know kinolau of, of laka but for the hula students to know that they were doing all of the rituals properly, if all of that green greenery would not wilt or die. And um, that is something that that is very significant to me because I think about the um, that kind of connection mm-hmm. that. Um, some of our kup- kupuna had with um, these traditions is something that I do not know, yeah, and and just like I told you late, earlier, that I that I that I do not know about those um, those practices. But getting back to Hariao, because of the couple that that went with the kuahu and the learning of these dances. I remember her saying na ole, puina ole, that she'll never forget those dances because of the um, the energy and the all the focus was placed on the learning of those dances. So I try to wrap my my mind around that to 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 be able to be in a field of study, especially being in academia too, that I. Oh, I wish I could just disconnect from everything and just throw my being in, into this practice. Um Yeah, I, I I I can only imagine what that may have been like and to live on a pahula, to live in, in in a in a place where I would just focus on hula from the morning
0: mm-hmm.
2: to night. The
0: dedication.
2: Yeah, and the dedication that went with that and not um, being able to use the bathroom at times and, 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 and very re- restrictive for a reason though. Um, that is interesting to me. And, and there is you know, some aspects of that are documented in um, the Hula Pahu book um, written by um, Elizabeth Tatar. And you, you read about you know, some of the practices that Eleanor Hiram um, in being, being born into this kind of couple. Of of um learning the hula pahu especially since the hula pahu are our most sacred dances and that connection to aqua um it's very it's very interesting to me although i haven't i haven't been taught in front of a kuahu Mm
3: -hmm.
0: no mahalo nui for sharing with our audience Mm
1: -hmm. yeah mahalo for um, sharing that very profound spiritual side of hula as well um and if we were just to, as we do wrap up, um, you know, we were wondering if if any of our listeners would be interested in becoming involved or more deeply involved in Hula. Would, do you have any suggestions? And our listeners, again, might be part of our UH Kauhale, but they also mm. might be other people too, Um but do you
2: yeah. have any so suggestions in my little <laughs> You can take Hawaiian language classes at Kakakulo Kiliki Kolani. That's a good place to start, especially if you you realize that you do have an interest in in hula. We also have a halau that we have students from Kekulo Puu and also um parents and 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 faculty members of um um, who are part of our halau, kaleola um, onamamo, which focuses on this aspect of hula, kaleola, living voices of the descendants. Um, named by Larry Kimura, Kumu Larry Kimura, our halau, that um, we always remember that the language, yeah. the language is the foundation of our, our learning of uh, hula. Mm. Mahalo. mahalo,
0: mahalo, nui. Mahalo nui for joining us today, Kekoa, and, and for sharing your ike regarding hula and your perspectives on sustainability and so much more. Mahalo nui.
1: And the importance of language. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we will never forget that. <laughs>
1: mahalo nui. Mahalo
2: ke Aloha.
1: Aloha. Mahalo nui to our mea kipa, Kekoa Harman. We're grateful for what he shared about the cultural practice of hula
0: yes, Keiko gave insight into different aspects of hula and what it means to him as a daily life practice of which Olela Hawaii is a foundation. For more details, you can check out our blog at hilo.hawaii.edu slash as well as on Facebook and Instagram to learn more. We are also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms.
1: Mahalo, everyone, for listening to Kaleo Kauluau. We hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll continue to listen to future episodes on cultural practices of this awesome island of Hawaii. Until next time, hou.